Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today, big trouble in Little Tatooine. Hello everyone, welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast fluent in gaming. My name is Paul Romalo, and with me today, the bad cop to my good cop, Arnaldo Perez. Hey everybody. See, Ozzy thought that because you guys did a podcast together, that like that I would let that stand, but no sir, <laughs> I am here to reclaim my rightful throne. <laughs> yes, as the, uh, the, the preeminent RFG duo, which... Sounds way more prestigious than it is when it's two people on. <laughs> it basically means that the other three were like, eh, I'm not doing this today. <laughs> now, originally this was going to be an episode where we talk about what we've been playing lately because we're all we're all chomping at the bit, actually, to talk yeah. to each other about this stuff because, you know, it, doing it in chat in our chat group is not quite the same as talking, obviously. It is but. it is also the one time that I'm like, I've played more than one thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I have like seven things I want to talk about now. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, unfortunately we had that scheduling snafu and and I mean Jeff's gonna kill us if he's not <laughs> on to talk about Final Fantasy VII remake. Yes. Um he's just been he's he's been absolutely like, I need to talk about this game. <laughs> And so, yeah, it, you know, it kind of sucks uh, yeah. because talking in our group chat, like I said, it, that, that's one thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, when I when I hear that you are now addicted to Slay the Spire, <laughs> when I when I type ha 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 in our chat group, it's not quite the same yeah. as, you know, laughing at you with my voice. <laughs> like when you when you told me you were 50 hours in. I was like, I was, it was literally a knee slapper. I was like, I slapped my knee and I was laughing. I was like, ah! Barely getting started. <laughs> Did I, so that that's the other thing is that I, I got it on Steam initially and now I own a second copy of it on the PS4 because yeah. my girlfriend is also addicted to it. So we had to like, I needed my computer. So we had to get a console version so she could play it. It's so good. Like it, it reminds me of like every movie where the heroin addict is in a is in a like dank apartment sitting on a dirty ass mattress <laughs> slumped against the wall playing slay the spire oh man just one great. more run paul just one more run <laughs> so i mean yeah generally speaking we we love the episodes where we talk to each other about what we've been playing cuz it's yeah. like it's like we're kids again right like we're yeah. talking to our friends in school about what video games we're playing and blah 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 so here's the next best thing or, or possibly even a better thing. This is going to be an episode where you and I, Arnie, we talk about our favorite childhood games. That's right. Now, our regular listeners, God love them, they might now be thinking, is this yet another episode <laughs> where these two idiots talk about Fantasy Star and Legend of Dragoon? The answer is no. We've specifically selected games that we haven't talked about yeah. and that we think people might enjoy today. In spite of their age, because as we know, not all retro games are created equal, right? That's right. Uh, I, I, it, part of me did want to just lie to you and tell you I wasn't going to talk about Legend of Dragoon, and then just start talking about it immediately. 
<laughs> like the wrestler who yes. shows up to the ring and he's wearing like a regular shirt <laughs> and then he like you know dragon kicks the other guy takes off his shirt and then it's like the nwo the shirt. nwo shirt <laughs> i'm the i'm part of the lwo that's the <laughs> that's the, the latino world order yeah that's oh the, that's right yeah <laughs> that was actually a thing wasn't it it sure was <laughs> <laughs> oh man God, I, I, we can't go down this rabbit hole right now, but there were... Are you kidding me? There were so many NWOs. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, man. Like, we've got we've got one good gimmick. How can we milk the shit out of this yeah. and ruin our company is, yeah. is basically what happened, right? To, to tie it back into the least popular thing we ever talk about on this podcast, um, in the last episode of The Last Dance, they finally show when Dennis Rodman... Uh, went to WCW as a member of the NWO, and it was during the finals. Like I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I I could even even for Rodman, I had actually forgot about that. Even for Rodman, I was like, "Wow, dude!" Like <laughs> between game two and game three, you're going to a WCW taping. Hell yeah, that's that's amazing. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I know he's not taking bumps. But still, yeah, you know, like, it's just mm, it's not a forget about the potential injury. Like, obviously, that's not going to happen. But it's just wow, that's that's not a good look. Although I have to admit, pretty convincing chair shot he delivered to, to the back. I, I don't remember who the wrestler was that he hit. Do you? Yeah, I think it was. It was DDP. It was DDP. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Frig, man. No wonder he's doing yoga now. <laughs> So, anyway, before we get to our childhood games, I got to say thank you to our listeners, yep. uh, especially on an episode like today's where, you know, it's, to be fair, I did a, I did actually do a lot of research last night on the games that I'm going to be talking about. But with that said, this is a little bit more half-assed than our, our more in-depth kind of efforts. Yeah. Um, now, again, to be fair, though, I, I often find that our half-assed efforts turn into a full ass of entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. So, if, you know, like me, you enjoy a full ass, then be sure to subscribe and uh, just as importantly, leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Five stars, please. And uh, Arnie, why don't you start us off then? One of your favorite childhood games. Oh, man. Uh, I, I don't know how many we'll have time for today. So I want to start off with uh, what is probably m one of my like absolute favorite childhood games. and I have them right here for you, Paul. It's uh, Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2. Oh, yeah. I These were, like, no shit. I think this is the first ever time a game, like, made me buy a console. Because wow. I played this at a friend of my mom's house. He had an Xbox, and I played this for, like, I want to say a couple hours. And I was so blown away that I immediately I was like, I need an Xbox. And so me and my mom went to GameStop. I traded in... Uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and some other stuff uh, for pennies on the dollar to buy <laughs> that big green and black hunk of, hunk of love um, and a copy of Knights of the Old Republic. And I, I honestly think this is the game that I've beaten the most times through. I think I've beaten it at least four or five times. Wow. Um, because I had to do like full, full Jedi run, full Sith run a neutral run like i had to i always mixed it up yeah um and i don't know if this is like too serious of a topic 
um, right now. So we edited this out if it is. But um, my great grandmother like recently passed away, and I vividly remember I would come over to her house during the summer, and she would bring out this like shit tastic like CRT is probably like twelve <laughs> inches, and yeah. it had a a VCR integrated into it. And I would just sit in the living room and just play Knights of the Old Republic for hours, like sun up to sundown, um, until my mom came to get me. You know, man, those those old CRTs. Like, here here's the thing: when I when I started gaming, it was on an old TV in our living room, and yeah. the TV was so old. It was one of those with like the wooden, you know, surround. It was in a wooden cabinet. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And the TV did not like the game consoles like the game <laughs> the sega master system was actually kind of ruining the tube yeah and so eventually for christmas i got a little 13 inch crt and it got put in the basement and you know for all the improvements that my gaming experience has you know for all the upgrades that i've had over the years yeah the little 13 inch crtv is still for me like my fondest memory Oh, right? absolutely. Like, eventually absolutely. we upgraded to, like, a 26-inch, yeah. and playing Mortal Kombat 2 on that thing was amazing. The sprites were huge now, Yeah, and that was a lot of fun, but boy, oh boy, that little 13-inch, <laughs> you know, it has a special place in my heart. Yeah, it's, it's funny. In my memories, it's always, like, super HD. Like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, this thing looks perfect. And I'm sure if I went back in time, my eyes would bleed. Oh, yeah. To look at that thing for like more than a minute. And sitting freaking two feet from it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I was like, this is close enough, right? As I'm like pressing my corneas up against the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, man, it was, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I was a Star Wars fan. Like I enjoyed the movies. Mm -hmm. um, this was well after the the uh prequel series had come out um which i at the time i did not hate like as, yeah. as a as a kid i was like oh you know whatever it's not great but it's it's no empire strikes back but it's not the worst thing i've ever seen either <laughs> yeah i mean when i when kids used to come into the game store that i worked at mm. and they actually liked jar jar binks <laughs> that was that was an eye opener for me because like I assumed for, you know, several weeks after the movie's release that everybody hated Jar Jar Binks yeah. and he was the absolute worst. And then I realized after a little while, I'm like, oh, wait, this movie isn't really for me. Yeah. And neither was the original. Like these are movies, you know, kind of for kids yeah. and hopefully the kids buy the toys and so on and so forth. Yeah, I... Uh, see the thing is paul that my cursed generation is like coming of age now and they're like oh no the prequels were good like <laughs> <laughs> we're changing the entire narrative now <laughs> now now the sequels are bad and then like yes. give that like 10 15 years and people are like no these these were masterpieces oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> But um, but no. So it was really weird for me because when I when I started playing this game, it wasn't I had not really delved into the Star Wars universe for a really long time. And so seeing something that was so separated from what the movies were, I think it's set like millennia before the original trilogy. And being able to sort of explore a brand new world with brand new characters 
but in a setting that I sort of already felt comfortable in. Like I was like, oh, lightsabers, oh, blasters. Like I, I know all this stuff. Yeah. Um, was was like something else. There's something about this game that just hooked me immediately. Like in a way that very few games, aside from Slay the Spire, managed to do. <laughs> <laughs> like I was within like the first hour, I was like, oh yeah, I definitely need to play more of this. Yeah. Um have you ever have you played it? Like have you have you beaten this game? No. It's you know, it came out during an era where I my gaming was curtailed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, this this was an Xbox exclusive, was it not? Yes. Both yeah. of them were. Yeah, exactly. So that would be another reason why. Xbox, I just never had one. Uh during yeah. that during that era, I had a PS2. You can't really count the Dreamcast because it came out so much earlier. It I mean it technically belongs to that generation, but eh. Yeah. But I had the PS2 and the PS2 was such a dominant platform during that time that yeah. there really wasn't any need to get anything else. I mean, I kind of wanted a GameCube, I kind of wanted an Xbox, but I had friends who had those systems, so if I really wanted to play the games on those systems, I could just go to my friends' places and yeah. do that. So, yeah, unfortunately, I never played Knights of the Old Republic. It was definitely on my radar, mm. but you know, uh, unlike you, I didn't rush to GameStop and get the <laughs> Xbox just for it. Well, honestly, it's the reason I ask also is because there is a twist in the story and I don't want to spoil it. No, for I'm, I'm aware of the twist, oh, which okay. is which is, by the way, another reason I haven't played it, because now that I know the twist <laughs> and, you know, fair enough, right? Like it's been, what, 20 years or something? Yes. Almost 20 years. Uh, you know, I I should have played it in time to kind of avoid the twist. But yeah. It is what it is. I I I'm hesitant to spoil it even on the podcast, just because the <laughs> the I I do think the the story is sort of dependent on it in the sense yeah. that like if you know what it is going in, the story is a lot less exciting. Yeah. But if it just happens and you're like, whoa, because when I was a kid, I was like, like I fell out of my chair. I was mind exploded when it oh, happened. It's such a good. It's such a good <laughs> twist. Honestly, like. It, it, dude, trust me, if I was you and I was playing this game when I was a kid, I would have felt exactly the same way. No doubt yeah. about it. It's awesome. I also I also got lucky um, that another friend of mine also bought an Xbox. And so we were able to play Halo using both of ours. So I was like, oh, OK, this was a good investment. Like, I feel yeah, justified yeah. now in my in my use of this because of Halo 2. Yes. Um, but no, then the sequel came out, and honestly, I feel like people don't love the sequel as much as the original. Um, I think the original is better. A lot of people had problems with the sequel. I think I was just so young, and I was so... Like, the first one was such a big deal to me that when the sequel came out, I was like, it doesn't matter if this thing is, like, absolute dog shit. I'm probably still gonna love it. <laughs> yeah. And, like, my copy is so old that, like, it still has an EB Games sticker on it. What? EB Games was a thing <laughs> in Puerto Rico before it got bought up by the monolith that is GameStop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, the the second one is also good. It's not as good, but I think that it does a lot of things that I really enjoyed from the first one. I think the characters are still really good. The story, for the most part, is really good. Um, and obviously the choices that you get to make. And like, I I like that this was... I think this was the first 
time I'd experienced a Bioware RPG. Yeah. So the the choice system and how like if you're a Sith, it like truly affects your character's appearance. Like you look like a the more evil you are, like the more deranged and like a walking corpse you look. <laughs> the less sleep it looks like you got. Yeah, exactly. And people are still like, "Oh, hello. How are you doing?" And it pans to you and you're like <laughs> Like the like evil incarnate standing before them, and you're like, "Hi, I'd... are you okay?" <laughs> yes, buddy? I will look for your bantha. <laughs> <laughs> does it have like all those kind of side quests that are like? Does it have a lot of side quests? I guess is what I'm asking. If if I'm recalling correctly, which I could not be, it has it has some, but not as many as you would expect in like an RPG nowadays. Like this yeah. is not like Witcher three sort of territory. Um, but I think, I, like, honestly, in that same sense, I kind of enjoy them more because the few that are there are very well scripted and are very well planned out. I specifically remember in two, I believe, it could be one, but I think it's two, you you have a ship and at one point you bring in, like, a relic onto your ship and you can ignore that relic for the entire game and i don't think anything happens i don't think at any point you're forced to touch it but if you open it you're like sucked into it into a completely different world where you have to like Holy. do a a series of quests for like two warring factions and you have to choose who you support yeah Interesting. and so like and so like stuff like that i'm like oh my god this is so cool like clearly they like really built a, a narrative around these side quests yeah, and also kind of like a believable... The The problem I'm having now with RPGs, I'm playing one that, you know, the side quests, you want to complete them because you get cool items and mm. there are all kinds of material incentives. But as far as its relation to the narrative, yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal because, yeah. like, with the narrative, things are often kind of like life and death. Mm -hmm. And yet the characters... <laughs> <laughs> have enough time to go do these fetch quests and, and yeah. so on. It's just kind of like, there's a little bit of a dissonance there that I'm not a huge fan of. The That kind of solution where you have a relic and it transports you to another world, that's really cool. That's like, you know, Star Trek Next Generation yeah. Inner Light episode where Picard It's like, oh no, these guys are trapped and... inside of this container and like this is yeah. th all they know is this. Yeah. Um, there's also... Because you just reminded me of that. There's also a, a card game that's built into it that I oh, loved yeah. as a kid. Um, and it just sort of harkens back to that time. I think, again, The Witcher, I think, is the one to have done this most recently with Gwent. But where there were RPGs that just had like a little game within the game that you get super addicted to. Yeah. Um, the only one I can think of off the top of my head besides those two is Triple Triad in Final Fantasy VIII arguably the best one of all time yes yeah. um but like stuff like that i used to spend so many hours just playing these stupid games just to like just to win fake money right like it's like yeah. oh i don't need this but i am enjoying this game so much dude how many hours did i burn on blitzball oh my <laughs> god you know a, what a what a great game blitzball was i know uh I know our, our guest, Kelly, she's been on a couple times, and she actively dislikes Blitzball. Yeah. And I'm, I'm constantly like, how? How is it possible <laughs> that you don't want to play against the Luka goers? <laughs> <laughs> 
truly the greatest professional sports team name of all time. (laughs) They really go. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, man, like Knights of the Old Republic, it's I I wanted to do it for this episode because I, I feel like I guess the theme I was going for is like games that we'll probably never do an episode on. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah. An excuse to talk about it. Um, Knights of the Old Republic, I think cumulatively, both of these, because the the good thing about these two is neither one of them is like particularly long. I want to say that like 40 hours will get you through either either one of them. Oh, so good. Um, and I played them just incessantly. I've played I've played through both of them multiple times to do yeah. different like runs and stuff like that. Um, and I just never got tired of them. I don't know if it's the kid in me because I have not played them in like a decade or so. Um, but I feel like if I pop them in now, I might still just fall right back into that trap and, and go through them multiple times again. You almost certainly would. I can I can <laughs> say from experience that you definitely would. The the finishing multiple times and like, you know, the fact that this was kind of, it, you know, really what it is, it's kind of the first time. It's that first time thing where you encounter this specific type of game. Because yeah. this is a very different game from Legend of Dragoon, which I yes. think was your first RPG, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, this this is a very different game than that. And when you encounter this kind of game for the first time and you're a kid and you have all that energy and time, it really lends itself to going through these multiple playthroughs. I can totally see how that would have happened. Yeah. I think also because I was not like this is the other thing about this episode that we haven't talked about. But like you and me are like completely different eras of gaming. Yeah, And so you got to go through Fantasy Star and understand that like, oh, sci-fi and an RPG, like that works. But like for me, it was like, oh, Legend of Dragoon and Final Fantasy, like RPGs are are fantasy, like they're medieval, they're like swords and monsters and trolls and stuff like that. And then I finally played this and I'm like, oh, no, like spaceships are cool, too, in RPGs. Oh, and how? <laughs> <laughs> If I could have them in every RPG, I would. Yeah, the, exactly. You know, the fantasy trope, let's let's just be honest, it's tired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to see another Hobbit. <laughs> I just, I don't. Yeah. So this was the one that opened my eyes to that whole fact where it was like, before this, it was like, oh yeah, RPGs are long. They have orcs, um, they have swords, and I have magical powers. Like, that's what an RPG is. And then I played this game and I'm like, I, I also now want lightsabers and spaceships in every so single in, one. So <laughs> in Knights of the Old Republic, is is it just force powers that are sort of like your magic? Is there any other kind of magic? Um. So the way it works, it's it's the Bioware sort of trope, I think, where you can you can set up your attacks. Like, all your attacks are, like, mapped to different buttons. Like, you have your main weapon, you have a secondary weapon, because I think you can you can dual wield or you can single wield with, some, with like, something else. Yeah. Um, and then you also can pause the action to stack multiple actions in a row, like, if you want to do specific things. And then you can use items, and you have force powers. You also have allies that are also Jedi, so they also have force powers. Um, but your force powers are sort of dictated 
by which side of the alignment you fall on. Like if right. you're if you're super good, I think you get like a lightsaber throw that comes back to you and a force push. And then if you're evil, you get like a force choke where you like lift people off the ground. Um, yeah, yeah. And force lightning, which is the best force power. Of course. Which is, is why I was like, I'm always gonna be evil because I just want to <laughs> shoot force lightning. Like. <laughs> The only the only thing the force lightning doesn't have going for it is that the force like the manipulation of objects with the force yeah just visually is actually really really cool yes I I know lightning is also really cool but <laughs> there's just something about like you know the push and the guy like flying against the wall yeah it, it reminds me of like the old kung fu movies with yeah. like the chi powers and so on the the lightsaber throws were also really fun for me like just watching something boomerang back into somebody's hand i was always like that's so cool like <laughs> <laughs> like when luke pulled the lightsaber out of the snow to kill when um in empire strikes back when he's hanging upside down and he has to pull his lightsaber out of the snow yeah like that was i was like on the edge of my seat the entire time <laughs> I was like, it's moving. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, man. Knights of the Old Republic. Uh highly recommend. I think I think one is relatively cheap. Two might be like in the twenty-ish dollar range. Oh, um, yeah, oh no. I, know. I mean, for me, that's like a mortgage payment, you know, like <laughs> I'm not paying that. <laughs> Even though this sticker does say forty four ninety nine on it, so I must have gotten my mom to to plunk that that chunk of change down for me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, with the amount of hours you put into it, what can you say, man? It's money well spent, right? Yeah, pennies on the dollar, as they say. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh, let's take a little break here, and uh, when we come back, I will talk about one of my favorite childhood games. everyone we're back and for my childhood favorite game and again these aren't necessarily favorite games but they're definitely games that made an impression on me yeah um, i'm gonna talk about kung fu kid for the sega master system kung fu child <laughs> like like i told you during the break and i and i think this holds true this is like if alex kid was just cool like <laughs> like if he wasn't a lame okay <laughs> I don't you you people who hate on Alex Kidd. <laughs> you're not entirely wrong. Like I get it, but for for any kid who grew up with Alex Kidd and Miracle World, let me tell you, they will defend it. They will defend it to the death, and I am one of them. That game was amazing. Fair and enough. for all of its ridiculous design choices, like the rock paper scissors and yeah. so on, you know, for all that stuff like for a kid again who has like infinite time and so on yeah what a great game to have because it it kept me entertained for what nine months or something like that yeah. it took me forever to beat that game <laughs> would you say that alex kid is like the de facto master system mascot yeah, yeah i don't think there's any i don't think there's any arguing about that 
thank God they brought out Sonic because if they had stuck <laughs> with Alex Kidd, that, that probably would have been a little bit of an issue. Nobody quite knew what he was. And even through the different Alex Kidd sequels, he he changed so much. It was yeah. never really a, a consistent look, unlike Mario, who, you know, <laughs> Nintendo actually knew what they were doing there. Yeah, he's the second coolest kid behind Jason Kidd. <laughs> With the 2Ds and everything, too. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, back to Kung Fu Kid. I could have gone with Alex Kid, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> and uh, and it probably would have probably would have even been more interesting. But Kung Fu Kid, and I, I wanted to talk about a game that was accessible and fun even yeah. now. And Kung Fu Kid, I think, really fits that bill. So what I learned about Kung Fu Kid is that it's actually a sequel. It's a sequel to the Sega SG-1000 game now the sg1000 for those of you who don't know is like the the japanese predecessor to the master system and uh so you could play sg1000 games on the master system Mm -hmm. but there were games developed for the master system that weren't necessarily backwards compatible so yeah kung fu kid sequel to the sg1000 game called dragon wang (laughs) based on a 1982 Asian pornography film of the same name. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> but <laughs> I, this is this was going to be breaking news until you added that last part. <laughs> Let me tell you though, man. If I was going to be in a porn now, I'd be Dragon Wang. Absolutely. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Ten out of ten porn name. <laughs> but yeah, Kung Fu Kid. You know, it's. I'm going to tell you why it's a great game. Mm. When I was a kid, first of all, I never actually owned it. I only ever rented it. And I think like you, Arnie, a lot of my a lot of my fondest memories from video games when I was a kid just come from like going to the rental store. Yeah. And renting a game multiple times. And I think I was I was wondering yesterday about why why that might be the case. And I think it's because with rental games, they never overstayed their welcome. Yeah. You never looked at this game on the shelf you know, and were disappointed that you owned it because after a while you get, you know, after a while you get sick of every game, right? That's just, that's just how it is. Yeah. And so you rent this game, you enjoy it, you take it back and you never have that kind of negative association of being bored with it. <laughs> I think am I, that, am I off base here? No, I think that, that it, it, it sort of cuts both ways, right? Like I think that a lot of people, if you rented a game and it was bad, you never forgot that game because you wasted your your rental on it. You're like, this was my whole weekend and now it's and now it's nothing. It's the worst. Yeah. But if the game was like even slightly good, you were like, I love this. I think yes. that I think that the nature of the rental being fleeting like that meant that you felt in you felt forced to put a lot of time into those games for the short window that you had it. Oh yeah. And so they really made that impression on you, especially if you rented it again because that was like this game is so good that I'm going to play it again even though I could get any other game that I wanted. Yeah. I yeah. I put you first and foremost in my life game. Yep. And because you didn't own them, I think there was also that kind of feeling of wanting to own it if it was really good. Yeah. But I mean, you could only get so many games per year, right? Yeah. For uh, for me, it was usually like two or three <laughs> games per year, maybe maybe a little bit more if we got like bargain bin stuff, Yeah. Um, which happened with the NES. But like during the Master System era, 
we we actually did have a video store that rented out Master System games, which was really cool because I can't imagine that that was a very common thing. Yeah, I I think the earliest. I mean, born in '91, so I think by the time I was going to rental stores, the earliest I ever saw was like Super Nintendo games. Yeah. Like I don't think I ever saw an, an NES game on a video store shelf. Um, yeah, no, that that figures. The the NES games were hugely popular. Yeah. Uh, at least, you know, when I was growing up, the the video stores had like entire walls yeah. just filled with with NES games. But I was lucky, you know, I got to rent Master System games too <laughs> and Kung Fu Kid was one of them, which is great because you know what? It's not really the kind of game that you want to own. It's actually it's a little bit easy. You know, yeah. if you were to pick it up and play it now, I don't think it would take you longer than an hour to kind of figure it out. Yeah. You know, there's there's a long play that we were just watching on the break and the, the long the dude finishes it in like 15 minutes, yeah. which is which is actually kind of par for the course for that era. Like if you yeah. look through long plays, I was watching a long play of um, Legend of Cage for the NES because it's kind of similar to Kung Fu Kid and that it has like the huge floaty jumps yeah. and so on. <laughs> And uh, it, it, again, 15 minutes, like the guy's done, right? But, you know, if you were to pick it up and play it now, it would definitely take you longer than 15 minutes. You got to figure it out, right? Yeah, there is a sort of that is I think that's sort of the hidden beauty of like those early games that a lot of people just remember spending hours and hours and hours and hours trying to beat a game that they could not beat. And now with the advent of the internet and people who are good at games you're like oh that game's like 20 minutes long <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's how i felt about um the original contra i remember playing it and being like this is impossible like this would take me like weeks to finish and then i saw somebody do like a no death run and it was like maybe half an hour and i was like this, what the fuck <laughs> yeah i know right we're all terrible I saw someone doing, back when we did our Contra episode way, way back, which, by the way, is still one of my favorite episodes yes. that we've ever done. I, I strongly <laughs> encourage people to go download it if they haven't. When we did that one, I, I watched a playthrough of Hardcore. I didn't yet uh, own Hardcore. I do now, thankfully, because that game's <laughs> fucking great. Yeah. And the, the guy doing the long play, like, it was just, he made it look so easy. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, is like, am I remembering this incorrectly? Was this game <laughs> really that easy? And it actually pushed me to pick up Hardcore again, because I'm like, well, this looks kind of beatable. And then I got it, and I invited a buddy over. Yeah. We couldn't We couldn't even get by the first level. <laughs> we did it for, like, I, th I think we played it for, like, half an hour or 40 minutes or something. Yeah. And, you know what, we might have actually beat the first level. I can no longer remember. But I just remember that it was extremely difficult and I was like, okay, this is kind of the Contra hardcore experience that I remember from when I was a kid. It's amazing how hard we're avoiding talking about Kung, Kung Fu Kid. Kung Fu kid. <laughs> I was going to ask you, because I think it's it's relevant, and I and I realize I didn't say this when I was talking, but how old were you when you, when you played Kung Fu Kid? Ooh, I'm going to guess 10. Yeah. See, I, yeah. like Knights of the Old Republic was I was on the older side of childhood. So like maybe 12 or 13. Um, but I have yeah. I think I think that the age that you play it at sort of gives away a little bit of of your experience with it. I think that like it makes sense that like I would pick an insane RPG at like 12 and you would yeah. pick Kung Fu Kid when you were 10. Like that's probably what I was playing. Like yeah. similar, similar styled games at that age. 
Yeah, I I agree. And and Kung Fu Kid, you know, to its credit, like, you know, it's just it's just got good controls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like Kung Fu Master or Kung Fu on yeah. the NES. It's uh, you know, there's one plane. It's not like Double Dragon where you kind of move in the pseudo 3D, you know, mm-hmm. beat 'em up. You know, you can kick high, you can kick low, but really the secret sauce lies in the jumping yes. in the game. The the Kung Fu Kid Wang, sorry. <laughs> Uh, he can jump three quarters of the screen up. So every time you jump, if you hold the jump button, of course, to jump higher, it ha- it kind of has that like old kung fu movie feel to it. Yeah. Like I remember when I was a kid. So the the multicultural station in Toronto, which uh, at the time was CFMT Channel Four. Mm. I think it's I think it's called Omni One now. For anybody <laughs> in Toronto listening to this, they they might know what I'm talking about. But CFMT on on Saturday nights and sometimes on Saturday afternoons or Sunday afternoons, but definitely every Saturday night they had an Asian an Asian movie, right? Okay. And once every couple months, the Asian movie would be one of those kung fu movies. Yeah. And so we would watch Hockey Night in Canada. We'd watch the Toronto Maple Leafs lose in yet another crippling <laughs> manner. And but during intermissions, after you know, because the intermissions back then weren't terribly entertaining. Yeah. We would flip over to the to the Asian movie. And if it was a Kung Fu movie, <laughs> we'd sometimes miss some of the hockey game because Kung Fu movies were amazing. Yeah. It's guys like flying through trees and doing like super kicks in midair <laughs> and so on. And, oh, my God, it was amazing. See, I I love the fact that you guys had like a, a dedicated multicultural channel. Um, I remember like back in the day, there was like when you're when you live in Puerto Rico like you get American cable and I was I would always tell people like it was so annoying watching American channels because they would have commercials for things that we did not have and so it's so annoying it was so annoying being like try the new DQ Blizzard and I was like oh my god that looks great it's like there's no Dairy Queens here like oh my god um but I remember there was like a couple of local channels like there was like three or four like local channels that you would watch and i every once in a while you'd get anime on them like they like the saturday morning block sometimes had like children's anime dubbed terribly in spanish like it was horrendous um but i do remember like watching random episodes of like doraemon and like dragon ball z and stuff oh right on see you you think the spanish dubbing is terrible (laughs) i i love spanish dubbed anything anything <laughs> and specifically specifically central american south american yeah. spanish i don't know about european spanish but i i would imagine that the european spanish like those guys drink a lot less caffeine is, <laughs> is, is what i'm getting at yeah the the latino like the latin america south america spanish during oh my god dude during soccer games oh it's the best <laughs> oh that is the we best. would we would switch over to the Spanish broadcast if we could, <laughs> either the Spanish or the Portuguese, because the Portuguese are pretty close, but not yeah. quite that over the top. But we would, you know, the English guys, and and to be fair, the English guys also, they have like a different kind of hilarity. Yeah. So, oh man, this is quite the digression from Kung Fu Kid, but <laughs> here we go. So my wife and I, we were in, oh my God, I can't remember what country. Oh, we were in Hawaii, actually. Um. <laughs> And there was an English soccer game on, and the guy was calling it. 
he one guy made a pass, and the commentator was like, "Oh, what a sumptuous through ball!" <laughs> and then another guy scored a goal, and he's like, "Oh, he scored that with an air of nonchalance." <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> so. You know the the English guys also have their their comedic value when they're <laughs> when they're using phrases like that to describe yeah. soccer play. But the but the the soccer like the Latin American soccer guys losing their shit. We oh, would yeah. we would listen to that on purpose, even if we didn't understand <laughs> half of what they were saying. We understood enough. Yeah, Kung Fu Kid. Kung so, Fu Kid. Kung Fu Kid. <laughs> <laughs> so. The other, again, with Kung Fu Kid, you have the big jumps. It reminds you of the Kung Fu movies, which is which yeah. is awesome. The other cool thing about it that I hadn't quite encountered up to that point, and I realized in retrospect actually is not a feature but a flaw, is that on stage six, you actually, f- you just fight a boss rush. It's just five straight bosses. And so... Insane, by the way. Like- which, is, which is nuts. Like, I don't remember that ever <laughs> happening. <laughs> But I realize now that they probably actually wanted to put more game into it and yeah. just kind of rushed it out. But you know what? Great. Because the the parts of the game where you're walking around and beating up random dudes, okay mm-hmm. at best. But when you fight the bosses, again, it's like that kung fu movie feel. Like specifically the fifth boss, uh, the last one in the boss rush, is he's particularly satisfying because he behaves... A lot like the like like Wang, the main yeah. character, can't remember, can't forget his name, and it turns into this sweet like Big Trouble in Little China kung fu <laughs> fight with like these two guys flying at each other constantly Jesus. and doing martial arts. Yeah. And by the way, Big Trouble in Little China, that scene that I'm referring to, the character in that fight also named Wang. Oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. And. In Kung Fu Kid, the final boss, clearly Lo Pan from <laughs> Big Trouble in Little China. And I know I know Lo Pan is like a you know, it that has to do with Chinese mythology and yeah. it's not specific to Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> but like maybe maybe the makers of Kung Fu Kid saw this movie. I don't know. I checked to see a, which one came first. A sumptuous homage, if you will. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. And so you have to remember, this is how I saw it as a kid, right? Like somebody playing this today yeah. for the first time, they won't see Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I totally saw that and I loved it because I loved the, that movie. I think that is the beauty of it though, right? Like I think ultimately, I don't know, people collect for different reasons, but I sort of collect to try and recapture those like childhood experiences. And so I get that now from games I never played growing up, but going back to to games that we grew up playing, I think it's always it's always a little bit disappointing, even if you're extremely satisfied. (laughs) It just never gets up to that level ever again. It can't. Yeah, It, it can't. And that's fine, right? Like you can't completely recapture the magic, but you can definitely get a taste of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's kind of all we need. Yeah, I think, you know, every... I think there's there's there is a small satisfaction to just being able to boot up Kung Fu Kid or Knights of the Old Republic whenever you want and just be like, I this is I, I like this. This is a warm blanket. This is the, the cup of hot chocolate, if you will, uh, yeah. for the soul that I need right now. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. with Kung Fu Kid, especially because it's not a great time commitment. Yeah, 
like I can kind of have that hot chocolate and it doesn't take me longer than 45 minutes. Yes, that is you true. Know? Also, uh, <laughs> the uh, the boss rush. And uh, so apologies to, to Chris and Shane over on the Retro Hangover <laughs> podcast. The bosses don't explode, you know, during the boss rush, boss rush which is a shame because we yes. love our exploding bosses. Yes, that is a failure on the part of the developers. But the next best thing, when you beat the bosses, I don't even remember what it was like for the other bosses, but I don't think it's the same. The bosses in the boss rush, when you beat them, they curl up into a fetal position. <laughs> and it is it looks hilarious. That's amazing. And it's even it's even better because there's no frames of animation, right? <laughs> like you kick the boss. <laughs> it's just and a then, static like, image. Yeah, like one second they're standing, and then the next second it's like oof. <laughs> they're just like on the ground curled up and it's every single one of them and it's great That's it just awesome. it, it makes me laugh every single time <laughs> and oh. uh one more one more thing i'm just gonna note about it too because yeah. this this is the game that just the reading about it just kept on giving <laughs> let me tell you so doing research or more specifically yesterday i was doing some editing for the show mm. and I think in the course of about an hour, I got maybe three minutes of editing done. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because YouTube are giant jerks. <laughs> I went to go look up, you know, a, a piece of video game music to use like on the interludes, you yeah. know, between our in our breaks for that particular episode. And of course, you look on the right side of the screen and YouTube has all these suggestions of things for you to... <laughs> it was like an hour of me watching old 70s and 80s anime intros. Oh lord. Oh my god. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to say it wasn't time well spent. Oh, it of was, course. But I would have rather got some editing done. <laughs> <laughs> so it's similar it's similar when I'm doing research for these games, like the kind of things that pop up and random facts. Yeah. It took way longer. I was expecting to read about Kung Fu Kid for like half an hour. Yeah. No, like with all the <laughs> with all the sidetracking and watching of videos and so on and so forth, like it took me like two hours. Yeah. And what all of that preamble leads to is that there is a Brazilian version of Kung Fu Kid, as, as you're probably is. aware, Master System, huge of in course. Brazil. Crouching Tiger Hidden Master System, I'm sure it's called. You're you're close. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't actually remember what it's called. It's called like the Kung Fu of Sapo Julie. And Sapo Julie was a Brazilian cart. I don't even know if it's a cartoon character or specifically a toy. Yeah. But it's a cartoon frog. And oh my God, his sort no. of like attack was taking off his shoes and making people smell his horrible smelling shoes. <laughs> and they palette swapped him into three <laughs> different Master System games. They. They palette swapped him into Astro Warrior, where I think he actually attacks with his shoes. It, it's like I think Astro Warrior originally, like you're firing, you know, you're firing bullets from a ship. Yeah. And no, with instead it's Sapo Julie, and he's like tossing <laughs> smelly ass shoes at people. <laughs> and in Kung Fu Kid, they they only palette swap him, so it's no longer Wang, it's Sapo. And he's fighting the exact same enemies. So it's like this frog in like a kung fu movie. Yeah. Man, it's amazing. <laughs> also, you mentioned on the break, and it's worth mentioning here uh, before we take another break. Yeah. Soundtrack. Yes. For the kung soundtrack fu is kid. excellent. Yeah. 
shockingly good. If you play it, I can just about guarantee that you will be humming the the main level, like the first main level song in your head. It's, yeah. it's super catchy. The first two levels, actually, um, or the uh, the music introduced on the third level, it's just really, really catchy. I'm, so, I'm always pleasantly surprised when I go back to like Master System, even NES stuff. I don't know why. I think it's because since I didn't grow up with it, like I consider super nintendo to be ancient and so when i think of like oh it's master system i'm like oh so it's like a stone slab that they like programmed <laughs> commands into and then i i watch something i'm like this looks great <laughs> like yeah yeah with kung fu kid especially like it's super colorful yes you know it's not it's not displeasing to look at it's very crisp very colorful um there's a lot of cool artwork there's like a big dragon mural in uh, in one section of the game during a boss fight that's really cool also, uh, also worth mentioning. So this is another rabbit hole I fell into <laughs> while reading about this game. I I am pretty sure that this is the first game to feature wall jumping, and I remember this too as a kid. The mm-hmm. fact that you could jump off walls was such a cool mechanic because there are levels that have quite a bit of verticality. Yeah, and in order to reach like the next screen, you kind of have to jump off the wall and then you know go vertical yeah and it's it's really cool like it adds just that little bit of extra freedom of movement you can also jump off the walls when you're when you're fighting bosses and you know in i know that in super mario and okay actually let me ask you this did you know Hmm. that you could wall jump in the original super mario brothers i did not know that okay i'm pretty sure that like five percent or less of gamers actually know this it's actually a glitch built in not built into but it's actually a glitch Mm -hmm. with the engine uh, that they used for super mario brothers so in super mario brothers if you jump at a wall Mm -hmm. there is a one frame window it's Mm -hmm. extremely difficult to pull off but there is a one frame window where you can jump off the wall and basically what that means is that you can just do like a little extra jump yeah and it's not terribly useful in Super Mario Brothers, like it's a glitch. Eventually, with Mario sixty four, they kind of built the wall jump into the game. Yeah. So I'm reading about Kung Fu Kid, and I'm like, I wonder if this was the first game with wall jumping mm-hmm. because it's pretty old. It's 1987, yeah. right? And and I'm pretty sure it is. You know, like with the wall jump kind of being a purposeful feature yes. and not a glitch, because you know, Ninja Gaiden came out uh, later. Uh, Rastan for or rastan whatever yeah. uh came out for the master system that also had a wall jump but that was 88 uh strider also came out later and i could not find another game with a on you know a, a wall jump that they included in the game on purpose and it's a pretty cool feature in this game so yeah well now you you've know. opened yourself up to somebody being like actually um oh dude I couldn't. I was wondering whether even to mention it, which is which is why, Haunted which House is why I did the, the disclaimer. Atari Twenty Six Hundred features a wall jump. <laughs> Let me tell you, no Atari Twenty Six Hundred game features a wall jump. I'm, I am very very confident in saying that, um, and it's why I included the disclaimer about Super Mario Brothers because, yeah. you know, I don't count that as a proper wall jump. It's kind of like a useless thing in the game. Yeah, and it's a glitch. Yeah. and if I didn't mention it. Somebody with that voice was going to be like, Hold on. <laughs> push their glasses up. Well, actually, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, first game with the wall jump, man. Kung Fu Kid, who knew? 
who knew the Kung Fu Kid would have so much to offer us? And yet, we avoided talking about it as much as right. possible. We do. We do. El Nene All Kung right. Fu in Spanish. <laughs> Let's take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll move on to your next game. Arnie, I'm I'm really hyped to hear about this next game. <laughs> yeah, this is one honestly that I I forgot about until we started talking about doing this episode. It's um Flying Dragon for the N64. Oh um, yeah. This uh, a game I should mention released in 1998 that did not make our bracket, so clearly invalid. Uh <laughs> I will not I will not recognize these results anymore. Our entire project the going on for over a year is just terrible. invalidated now <laughs> but no uh flying dragon is a is a fighting is a one-on-one fighting game developed by culture brain um which i had to like practice saying that because i was fucking it up constantly <laughs> um were you calling it cut your brain <laughs> i was like <laughs> i was like kircher blaine and i was like no that's that's not right <laughs> But uh, no, Flying Dragon is like Kung Fu Kid for you is a game that I never owned. I just rented it religiously, like over yeah. 10 times easily. Um, I remember because my like my parents got divorced when I was three. So I got to skip all the trauma part and just enjoy the two Christmases, two birthdays situation. If um, you're going to do it. Yes, yeah, exactly. that's the way parents. If you're thinking about it do it early <laughs> um but so like my mom got me a ps1 and then i had an n64 at my dad's place so whenever i would go to my dad's house like that's where i'd play all my n64 games and nice. like most families you know i would go see him like on the weekends so it was blockbuster time like you go to blockbuster you rent a movie you rent a game and like you're set like you don't have to yeah. watch your child anymore they're they're good they're self-sufficient now <laughs> and flying dragon for some i don't even know why because flying dragon is is not a game that like really anyone knows unless you're collecting for the n64 um yeah but yeah. something about it when i saw it i was just like this is the game i i need this game like, I didn't realize how anime as hell of a kid I was, I guess, until <laughs> Flying Dragon came into my life. I was like, Robot Sumo Wrestler, this is the game I want. This was before the Vincent cosplay, right? Yes, this was before yes. This was before I was, I was truly kawaii, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a one-on-one fighting game, but Culture Brain has done this thing that you sort of turned me on to. That, that Flying Dragon is like a running series that they had yeah. all the way back yeah. to the NES. And it's always been sort of a fighting game meets RPG kind of thing. Um, we saw we saw the SNES version, which I think you said that you also rented a lot as a kid. Ultimate Fighter. Yeah. yeah, like my first experience with Flying Dragon was actually on the NES. Where I don't remember if it's called Flying Dragon or Flying Warrior. Or flying warriors, or something like yeah, that. I and think we literally, 
we literally just looked up the video. I think it's Flying Dragon, the secret yeah, scroll. That's what it is. And yeah, and so I rented that game quite a bit. And it's like you said, it's this weird... It is quite unique. Like, I don't know what was going on at uh, at Culture Brain, but, like, they just kind of made this very weird series of, like, fighting games slash RPG. Like, so Flying Dragon, and we'll digress here for a second, kind of, yeah. sort of, but Flying Dragon for the NES, I think, is where it all started. And so it's, like, again, like Kung Fu or Kung Fu Kid, where you have, like, the single plane of movement and you're like, you know, single kick guy, guy yeah. dies, and so on and so forth. But then you have these one-on-one fights where it looks on the face of it like Street Fighter or Street Fighter 2 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like you have to like time your button presses to hit certain targets on the character. And they kind of move around in this like kung fu movie way where they have these big jumps and everything's kind of like flashy, you know, yeah. for an S, you know, for a, for an NES game. And then Ultimate Fighter for the SNES, they renamed it for that release because, you know, <laughs> let's let's be as confusing as we can. Of course. Ultimate Fighter, they actually it's m- even more RPG. And and we were we were seeing that, you know, you have attack option and dodge and defend and and so on and so forth. Yeah. In between these kind of levels where you're actually fighting like it's an action game, it is so weird. Yeah, flying, and then when it comes to the N64 release, like, that one is truly one-on-one, like, Street Fighter-style fighting. Obviously 3D. Um, Yeah. And then it has, like, these little RPG elements embedded into it as you go along. I think, if I remember correctly, there's two modes um, in the game, and they feature, like, slightly different characters. Um, But, you know, it was just such a... For me, it was such a weird game for me to get into. Like, even looking back on it, I'm like, this does not fit the pattern. Like, fighting... (laughs) For some reason, I was like, in my regular life, like, when I got to buy a game, fighting games, not even in the conversation. When I got to rent a game, it was Marvel vs. Capcom and Flying Dragon. Like, my, (laughs) my child brain makes no sense. But this one was, I remember, like, renting it, and I remember beating it with multiple characters and I would still go back and rent it again. Um, yeah. And it's one of those that like as I've been collecting, I've always been like, I, I want to use eBay and like online stuff as little as possible. I want to go out and like find stuff, you know, and as I find it, like I'll acquire it. Yeah. And Flying Dragon is one of those that I'm like, it's like. I just need to go on eBay and and buy it and just make myself happy for (laughs) for a week. Like, it's it's definitely one that I don't even think... Like, a lot of games on this this podcast that we talk about, I'm like, go out, buy it, like, enjoy it. I don't know that Flying Dragon is that game. Like, I don't don't think I can, in good conscience, be like, yes, spend $20 on this N64 fighting game. (laughs) Like, that sounds like like a terrible idea. But no, I, I disagree. I, I respectfully disagree. I think I think anything twenty dollars or less, you, you pick it up. You can take and a flyer play on it. You can take a flyer on it. Pick up Flying Dragon. It's weird. See, now we've just single handedly spiked the price of Flying Dragon. <laughs> There's some guy. Yeah, we're out not there. we're not quite Metal Jesus yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's some guy out there who had his who had his 
He's like, my N64 set is almost complete. I just need Bomberman second attack and flying dragon. (laughs) (laughs) He goes online. It's like $70. No. But no, man, Flying Dragon was, I, I honestly, the, the only regret I have about renting that game so much is that I did not have friends to play it with. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like I must have looked like an insane person looking back on it, like renting all of these fighting games that I had no one to play with. Oh, they don't know that. Well, fair enough. But I you feel might like be the most popular kid in school for all they know. <laughs> it's like, man, this kid is, uh, he's real living the life. Yeah, it must He's... be that that cosplay. <laughs> so popular. I could only see out of one eye because my hair was hanging over the other one. Like, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, man, there's not there's not much I can say about Flying Dragon. Like it really it really speaks to itself. It's like 3D, anime as hell, and it's a fighting game. Like you know, if you're going to know Flying Dragon is definitely one of those games like within a within like 5 minutes of playing it, you know if if you like it or you hate it. Yeah, yeah. And you it really all depends on what you're trying to get out of it. Like if you're picking it up and playing it today. So we we also talked about um on the N64 Mace. Yes. What what is the subtitle for this game? It's Mace The Dark Age or something? Yes, thank you. I kept thinking the Dark Project, and I'm like, no, that's Thief. We've <laughs> we've done an episode on Thief. No, it's it's Mace the Dark Age. Yeah. And so, look, you can pick up Mace the Dark Age, and if you're expecting a good game, forget it, right? But what Mace the Dark Age brings is it brings that that sweet, sweet, sumptuous, even bad game experience that. <laughs> You know, sometimes you crave, right? Yeah. Sometimes you want to play a game and be like, oh my God, this is terrible. Yeah. I played it with a buddy of mine. We we got like, I don't know, half an hour out of it or something. And it was a great half hour. Yeah. And if Mace the Dark Age was available for 20 bucks and I could get like a bad game half an hour out of it, <laughs> I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Plunk it down now, for Mace. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Flying Dragon, I have to admit, looks a bit better than Mace, but it's not without its... It's not without its comedic value. Oh, absolutely. Like the uh, the things that they say before, like before and after the fights. <laughs> it's 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 stupid stuff. Like I will win, and the other guy's like, "No, you won't." <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? Yeah, the names of the characters. What was that? What was that robot's name again? Oh God, I I have to look it up. It's it like... was just like a pile of extra syllables. <laughs> For you know, seemingly no reason. I couldn't. I couldn't even believe it. Oh, Robo Nohana. That's his name. Robo Nohana. The Yokozuna of Robot Sumo. Oh my God, Robot <laughs> Sumo. That would do. That would do pretty well. Actually. That was honestly. I think like that was a big thing when I played it. I was like, there is a Robot Sumo character, and like officially my favorite <laughs> character, like without question. I feel like Flying Dragon is like pretty much every game we talk about, but Flying Dragon definitely is a you need to experience it yourself sort of sort of deal. Like I can sit here and talk to you about how all the voices for all the characters are in Japanese and I think slightly sped up, um, but it won't really hit you until you start playing it and you get to hear like 
what must be like three sentences worth of dialogue to then have like a box appear that's like, I won the match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we didn't spend too much time on that one. Why don't we not take a break then? I'll move on to my next yeah, one. Sounds like a plan. Which is a game. And this one, I don't think I rented as a kid. I think a buddy of mine owned it. And it actually ended up being a game that we all really loved. So, you know, when you're a kid, right? Like, mm. and you're getting video games as presents from relatives or, you know, people who aren't your parents. Because with your parents, you can write your letter to Santa and then get the game that you actually want. Yeah. Whereas your relatives, you know, they're less privy to these <laughs> desires. And so they just pick up whatever, right? Yeah. And as you would imagine, this is how movie-based games were, were so <laughs> successful, right? Yeah. So poor little Jimmy, he gets Back to the Future from his well-meaning uncle. And meanwhile, Back to the Future for the NES is just like this giant pile. Absolutely <laughs> terrible. Not so with Willow for the NES. Willow, of course, based on the movie Willow. Willow is actually a good game. It's actually really good. It's So what it is, it's a top-down, basically like a Zelda clone, okay. right? Um, it's actually more like Crystallis than Zelda. The dungeons are sporadic in Willow. <laughs> you know, there, there aren't very many of them. Yeah. Most of the fighting is kind of done over the, like, the main world. And I'm not going to sit here and, and say that it's better than Crystallis or, or even Zelda. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as kids, like, we played whatever was available, and Willow was pretty damn good. Yeah. Considering we, you know, we didn't have Crystallis available yet, and Zelda was kind of, you know, we we'd already played the crap out of that. Yeah. The difference I... is that it... Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, this is, this is a game that I've never played myself, but it's I've seen it come up more than once on people's, like, this is a game you think would not be great and is actually really good. Yeah. Um, so I've always, it, it's one that I've been on the lookout for, for a while. And I, and I think it like, it's not surprising to hear you say that you, that you like sort of latched onto it and had a really good time with it. Cause it seems like it's quality. Yeah, we all, we all did. And it's got pedigree. Like there, it's a weird, it's kind of a weird game because like, first of all, it's made by Capcom, mm -hmm. right? And at that time in the NES era, Capcom, you could expect a certain level of quality. There really yeah. weren't. Mm, there weren't any duds, I don't think, with uh, with Capcom around that time. If you saw that purple frame around the box, like yeah. you knew you were getting something <laughs> reasonable. And the development pedigree is there. Like it was planned by Akira Kitamura, mm. who did Mega Man, Mega Man Two. Um, he did Legendary. He did the planning, I think, for Legendary Wings as well, yeah. which is another kind of underrated game. Mm -hmm. um, a bit of a mess with the slowdown, <laughs> Legendary Wings, but still, like, it's a shoot 'em up on the NES, which, you know, not not something that came up terribly often. Yeah. Uh, music done by Harumi Fujita. He did the music for Bionic Commando, which is amazing. Yeah. And it kind of has that like that very distinct. Capcom NES, you know, it, it uses that those sound effects that they that they use a lot in their games. It just yeah. it feels very Capcom. Willow does that is. So you know, it's got the pedigree there, and what people suspect, I don't. I mean, nobody knows if it's true, but it makes sense to me, is that Capcom was actually developing a Zelda clone, and what they did was they got the Willow license and kind of grafted it onto that game. Mm -hmm. 
And the reason people think that, and the reason that I think I agree with it too, is that the actual tie-in to the movie, it's pretty loose.、Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the stuff that happens in the game doesn't necessarily happen in the movie, and it doesn't happen kind of in the order that it happens in the movie.、Mm-hmm. But that's actually good. You know, it doesn't, the movie, or sorry, the game doesn't really suffer for it at all. Like there's enough of a nod to the movie. Like there's, you know, the, The main character, like the main、uh, antagonist, Bav Morda, is still like the final boss in the game. Mad Mardigan's in the game. Sorsha, like everybody's there. There are scenes like from the movie that are still in the game as well.、Mm. You know, like the、uh, the part in the movie where、uh, Sorsha has Mad Mardigan drink the love potion and then he falls in love with her and, <laughs> and so on and so forth. You know, by the way, okay, so Willow the movie, I gotta say, to this day, I don't know if this movie is good or not. <laughs> I really don't. Like, what I know is that as a kid, I loved it. Yeah. And every kid I knew besides me loved it. Like, we just didn't have that many of these kind of fantasy, whimsical romps.、Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, the movie reviews for it are terrible. <laughs> terrible. Like, this was, this was not. A well reviewed movie. Yeah. I found out in in researching here that the script was actually nominated for a Raspberry Award. Awesome. And I think that might have something to do with all the crazy names, like fantasy ish names、yeah. that they use. There's there's a lot of them. This, this movie's <laughs> very, very dense with, you know, the castle, Tira's Lean, and, and so on <laughs> and so forth, right? It's got a lot of that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know. It's got, it's got Warwick Davis as、yeah. Willow. He's a good actor. It's got Val Kilmer. Yeah, like, how bad could it be, right? I don't know.、Yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch it again. This and... is when Kilmer, I think, was sort of at the height of his powers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This was, I think, after Top Gun, unless I'm mistaken. So he was still, he was still riding that high. He,、yeah. was, you know, he was a big deal for, for quite a while before his eventual kind of,、yeah. you know, Swirl down the toilet. Yeah, him and um the other guy I always forget about is Kevin Costner. Like, Kevin Costner was making blockbusters like、oh, in, the, man. in the late 80s, early 90s, I think. Yeah, and another good NES game is Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Yes. Based on the Kevin Costner <laughs> Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. That's actually a pretty good movie game, too, for the NES. They weren't all terrible. Yeah. There are, there are some good ones out there. Yeah, people talk about Jaws a lot. Jaws is one I always hear.、Um, I have never played Jaws、yeah. on the NES. People, people say it's pretty good. I think developed by, maybe, was it developed or published by Atlas? It was one or the other.、Um, hmm. Which is like Secret Atlas game that I must own now. It was developed <laughs> because it was published by LJN. I think that's why people were like, this is terrible. And then they were like, oh, it's pretty good. That's hilarious because you're right. It was an LJN game, and that's why I've never played it. Because I'm like, LJN plus movie. <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a I'm not going within 10 feet of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Lord.、Uh, fun fact for Willow fans, actually. So, in the movie, Mad Mardigan, spoiler alert, in the movie,、um, Mad Mardigan eventually gets together with Sorsha at the end、mm. of the movie. He, he brings her over to the good side. And then she fights her mom, Bav Morda. And then her and Mad Mardigan, they get together at the end of the movie, they fall in love. So it's not just the love potion. Yeah. In real life, Val Kilmer and the actress who played Sorsha,、uh, Joanne Wally, or Whaley, I don't know how to pronounce it,、uh, 
they actually got married. Oh wow! After filming the movie, true love always finds a way. And of course, yeah. And of course, until you, the divorce, you married your NES after playing Willow, so it was a nice little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a very strange ceremony. <laughs> but yeah so back to willow anyway the game the reason it's the reason it's different i think from zelda and crystallis is that there's not there aren't really any kind of puzzles Mm -hmm. you know zelda has that that thing where you see something off the screen and you're like oh i wonder what that is willow doesn't really have very much of that and it doesn't like i said nothing really in the way of puzzle solving it's pretty much about exploration and combat yeah and there's a lot of like go find character x and they'll give you character or they'll give you item y yeah in order to get to like location z yeah right so you know there's a lot of that kind of fetch questiness to it which is probably what kind of sets it back a little bit yeah but the combat you know it'll look really really familiar to people who have played uh link to the past on the snes yeah the sword swinging in willow is identical Really? Link, literally identical to Link to the Past. Yeah. You have like a standing kind of wide mm-hmm. sword swipe. And then while you're moving forward, he has more of a stab. There's also weight to the swords. Mm-hmm. So as you go through the game, you pick up a new sword and it's powerful. But Willow's not yet strong enough to wield it. Okay. You kind of have to level up a bit. You can still use all the swords. But what it means is that when you swing them, Willow does a really slow swing. Yeah. So you kind of have to be like, well, do I use this new sword with the really slow swing and, you know, kind of have to time it perfectly so I hit the enemies? Yeah. Or do I just use my old one that I can swing really fast? Until I'm strong enough to use the bigger sword. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Kind of a, it's actually kind of a cool addition. Like a lot of these, a lot of these additions in games, like any game that has food in it, like any RPG where you have to keep track of food. Yeah. Go away. I just, (laughs) I, I don't want it. Right, like, why do I have to continually buy rations? Yeah, it, it it's just not a fun mechanic, and so you think a, a mechanic where you swing a sword really slowly would actually, you know, you think that would hurt the game, but it's yeah. actually not too bad. It, it provides you with an interesting choice, and yeah, there you go. Yeah. Just a side note for you: never play Dark Cloud. Really, never play that game. Um. I I really enjoyed it. I'm playing the second one now, um, and this is a digression, but it'll be quick. There is a thirst meter um, in that game. (laughs) So each of your each of your characters has like an individual thirst meter, but you do always have to have water on hand because if you get if you let the thirst meter go down, then you'll start losing health. Why? And then on top of that, it also has breakable weapons. Oh man! So it's a it's a double whammy for you, <laughs> man. Breakable weapons and a thirst meter. Like you're right. Breakable weapons. I, I don't. The breakable weapons is really a swift kick in the nuts too, because like the whole the whole way that you progress in, in terms of your weapons is you level them up. Um. So every time you kill an enemy, you get like a certain amount of experience for them, and then eventually you upgrade them. Yeah. But if your weapon breaks. It's just gone forever. Okay, but and you lose and you lose weapon health on every swing. Like every hit that you make costs you weapon health. But can you repair so them? So you can repair them. Oh, thank god. But goodness. like what happened to me a couple times is like like your character has like a certain number of times. Like if you hit X three times, he'll do like three swings. Mm-hmm. And so each enemy 
does like a different amount of damage to your weapon. So if you find a new enemy and they're like really like a shelled enemy or something, you could swing and it could do like five damage to a 35 health weapon. Oh. And so like I would swing and then I'd be like, oh, I got to stop. And then I'd do one more swing and it just destroyed my weapon. Oh, that sounds awful. (laughs) It's just one of those things. Like the reason I thought of it was because just like with Willow and the slower swinging swords, like. I think as kids, I really appreciated more the risk-reward type stuff. Like, I was so much more invested in, like, okay, I'll figure this out and I'll get better at it. Whereas an adult, I'm like, I, do- I don't want any of this. Yeah. Like, I just want it to be as streamlined as possible. Please. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. That's Willow. That's Flying Dragon. We'll take a break and we'll come back with a couple more. So we're just going to go real kind of almost rapid fire uh, through some more games from our childhood. We're not going to go too in depth here, but I think we've got a few each here that we can touch on real quick. Arnie, why don't you roll uh, start us off here? Um, When we when we decided to do this, I knew that GBA had to be featured. Ah, Fair enough. Like because GBA was so such a big part of my childhood, specifically in the summers, because I would go to camp and I was that kid that like. Oh, we're doing the mud run. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm going <laughs> to sit here and play my Game Boy. <laughs> Thank you. Um, So Golden Sun. Golden Sun was required. I don't know that we'll ever do an episode for this series. I don't know that it warrants one. But uh, excellent, excellent Camelot RPG for the Game Boy Advance. Camelot was a developer that I think as a like as a kid I didn't care about developers and now as an adult I'm like wow like Camelot is a, is a company that I really like yeah um they did a for for the listeners they did the two Mario uh sports titles on the Game Boy Color tennis and golf yep. and those also had like RPG light sort of elements in them um and Golden Sun is I want to say probably their magnum opus at this point like I, I don't want to speak too highly of it, but it's it's an excellent little series that honestly gets, weirdly enough, a lot of love. Yeah. Like, like Isaac, the main character from Golden Sun, is always like, we want him in Smash. And I'm like, that's that's great. Like, I love that, <laughs> that people that people remember him. Um, it was interesting, too, because I got both of the games. So Golden Sun 1 and 2 were originally supposed to be one game, but it was so big that Camelot had to split it in two. Yeah. And I remember as a kid, like, playing the crap out of Golden Sun 1, getting to almost the end and not being able to beat it. And so I did the kid thing where I'm like, oh, I'm stuck. So I'm going to play the other one now. Yeah, yeah. And like immediately spoiling myself what happened at the <laughs> end of the first game because it picks up right after the end. So I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> I guess that happened. I guess I'll be mildly confused for <laughs> my entire Golden Sun 2 playthrough. <laughs> um, but no, that's if you've if you I don't know if you've ever played Golden Sun. Um, Sadly, I have not. No, it's. 
it's very it's it has like a very unique and entertaining art style like playing it on a game boy advance is kind of criminal now like you have to play it on like an sp or a micro yeah yeah um otherwise you're you're a monster (laughs) um but it has like gorgeous animations and it does the thing where like when you summon a when you do a summon it has like a cutaway scene that's it that's like crazy um and then the most like unique thing about it i would say is the gin system which is basically the way your party works is you can pick up these little creatures from around the map and like during certain battles and stuff that are called jinn and each one of them is attuned to an element i believe there's four of them there's the blue water the red fire the brown earth and the purple wind um and so each of your characters can carry like a certain amount of them and your sort of class and your powers are defined by the gin that you're carrying. So I was very basic when I did it. So like one guy had all the red, one guy had all the purple, one yeah, yeah. The girl had all the blue, blah, blah, blah. But if you mix them up, you can like create hybrid classes and like have like a healer who also has like tanky powers or have like a DPS guy who's also like does debuffs and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it becomes really interesting. Like it's, it's a really cool way of like, making you want to collect all of them interesting um so did you because did the you more feel you, like you have... had to catch them all yes it was it was definitely <laughs> that pokemon feeling it like hit me around the same time like pokemon i think i'd played a few years prior to this but when i picked up golden sun and this was like a feature i was like this is what i've been training for my entire life <laughs> like i'm prepared now um and the more you have the bigger and crazier your summons are yeah um so it was it was great. It was a great little RPG for the system. I'm glad that I'm glad that Camelot was able to put out more RPGs after the Shining series because they yeah. they they just like it's like you said they have that distinct art style. It's very colorful, very ev- like it, you know, very evocative. And you know, with the GBA, they have you know they have a little bit more muscle to work with. Perhaps they can do like those kind yeah. of animations and stuff. <laughs> um even back with like shining in the darkness on the on the genesis you know when you cast magic it's it's very well animated everything mm. it just looks really good camelot is man they hired they hired some really talented people there <laughs> yeah they did a good job and then um golden sun also had a release for the ds which i also played and i loved um but the story is like kind of on a cliffhanger so it's it, like it's not a full cliffhanger i don't think it's just sort of unresolved yeah like you they're like at the end it's like and then yeah yeah and yeah. there's no crickets you know like <laughs> See. so hopefully eventually we'll get a switch release or something yeah, I don't see that happening personally, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> see, if you're going to if you're going to do that, maybe do it like the game that I'm going to talk about which is Final Fantasy 2/4 for the SNES. This isn't exactly a hidden gem, you know. This is yeah. this is a known quality at this point. But when I was a kid, oh my god, this game was absolutely mind-blowing. I I borrowed it from my cousin. He got it and I, he hadn't yet finished it. In fact, I don't think he had even really played it. He just mm-hmm. got it and uh and he brought it over to my house. And we played it, 
And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, can I borrow it? And he was like, yeah, sure. Because at that time I had Street Fighter 2 and he was, yeah. he was always, always, always desperate to play Street Fighter 2. So gotcha. I lent him Street Fighter 2 and I played Final Fantasy 2. I don't know how many hours. I think I got five <laughs> hours into the game like that evening. Yeah. And it was just absolutely mind blowing. Like the music was unlike anything I'd heard before. And then eventually when I did get the game and I played it all the way through, so many like mature beats in the story mm-hmm. that that game hits that just yeah. never happened before. You know, from Tella basically like killing himself to get revenge, like that when does that happen? You know, a love <laughs> triangle? What? You know, these these kind of things just weren't seen in a game. So uh, that was definitely a game that really, like, hit me. And to me, still to this day, man, it's my favorite Final Fantasy. I'm not going to say it's the best. I could could make a convincing argument as to why it is. You know, if somebody put me in a a debate class. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm not going to say it's the best. It's just, but it is my favorite, absolutely. I, I, you know, two is one I have not played yet. I've not been able to play it yet, but all I ever hear about two is how good it is. And then immediately followed by like, but it was on the Super Nintendo with Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy three and Secret of Mana and on and on and on. Like it's, it's crazy how dominant Square and Enix were in that generation that like bonkers. Between the two of them, like the entire JRPG catalog of that of that system is like is like just names that like just titles that they worked on. Yeah, it it really is. I'm not gonna put the butt there. I think it's just straight yeah. up better than Final Fantasy yeah. six or three, you know, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people disagree, and that's fine. Yeah. I don't I don't know, man. It's it's crazy to me, I think to think back on that time and just think of like think of a game that's like wow this was a masterpiece and had it come out at essentially any other time in video game history or even on another platform it'd probably be one of like clearly the top tier rpg for that system but because square was so into topping themselves i guess they were just like uh, we're not done yet. Yeah. And so here you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But good for them, right? Because that yeah. really, you know, Final Fantasy 2 was the one that really kind of set the pace, so to speak, yeah. right? Yeah. Anyway, what you got another one there? I do. Um, this was one, I couldn't decide if I want to talk about this one next or after the other one, if we have time for it, but I want to talk about it now. And it's one that I think, I know, we'll never do an episode on, um, but it, Truly for me, Mr. Mosquito is <laughs> childhood wow. distilled. Mr. Mosquito. Let me tell you, Paul. Um, this was the same this was the same person's house that I played this at that I also played Knights of the Old Republic at. Yeah. So we two completely different sides of the coin here. <laughs> but uh Mr. Mosquito, I don't know if you've if you've ever played it. Um, but it's a, it's sort of a, I don't even know how to describe it. I guess action game question mark, <laughs> where you play as a mosquito who is sort of torturing this Japanese family, the Yamadas. Yeah. Um, 
And so basically in every level, you have to suck a predetermined amount of blood from specific points on the body of whatever family member you are facing. So the first level, you're like in the teenage girl's bedroom. The second level, um, I think you're in the kitchen with the mom. The third level, you're in the living room with the dad, so on and so forth. And like you just see – like I've never finished the game, but like even in the little interstitials in between levels – you what you're really seeing is the disintegration of a family unit as you slowly <laughs> drive them insane. <laughs> they just come up with more and more elaborate ways to try to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually when they fail, they just become so much angrier at each other because they just can't like they can't stop you. Oh my god. Um it is but it's great. I mean the controls are you, you got to get used to them. Like they're very clunky. Um, but it's, it's such an interesting game too, because you play as the mosquito. So everything is enormous. Yeah. Like this was like, when people talk about shadow of the Colossus, I was like, this was my shadow of the Colossus. Like the first (laughs) level, the girl is like a hundred times the size of you. Yeah. 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 And she like tries to like kick you and like smack you around. Like you can get slapped and killed. Like if you spend too much time trying to suck someone's blood, they will notice and they will smack you and like immediately kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh lord, it's just I I can't I can't say enough good things about Mr. Mosquito. Such a such an insane game that more people need to play. Yeah, I've always wanted to play this game because it just looks so unique and your description is selling me on it even more like just the fact that you're a mosquito and you're harassing people is hilarious but Mm -hmm. (laughs) the fact that the family is being destroyed (laughs) i can only assume that at the end of the game they either kill each other or file for divorce yeah like (laughs) like i can't imagine what else could happen to this family (laughs) i got i really got to give it a shot while it's still while it's still semi-affordable because that, yeah. that's another one that be, I guess because it's so unique you know it it commands a fairly high price on yeah. the uh, on the secondary market well um, I'll go on to mine and uh, and I guess we'll wrap it up after this one because we're starting to get a little bit long here um, yeah. one more for me Road Rash for the Oof. Sega Genesis let me tell you man that game, I was obsessed with it. And not only obsessed with it, but like I had like this love-hate relationship with it. So, mm. you know, you play it and you get through the first couple of levels and things are fine, right? Like you're learning how to play yeah. it. It's not too hard and all is well. You know, it has kind of mm. like these... I'm not going to call it an RPG element, but kind of rpg element where like there's characters in the game that you fight against and there's cops that you know by name and you can you know you can collect (laughs) money and upgrade your bike you know get a new bike and so on and so forth and you will need faster bikes in order to make it through later levels and then this weird thing happens with road rash where you get to level five and you get the fastest bike in the game which also simultaneously is one of the most fragile bikes in the game. Mm -hmm. And so you're getting through these levels that are like, I don't know, 15 minutes long and you're 10 minutes in and it's super fast and super difficult and you're just managing to hang on and then bam, you hit a car and you get wrecked. 
And you wreck. And so for me, it was like this, like I said, love-hate relationship where I loved the speed of it. Like the animation, it wasn't 60 FPS. It wasn't F-Zero. Yeah. It was pretty choppy. But it still kind of created enough of an illusion of speed that you can feel how fast it was. And it has like hills yeah. and huge jumps, you know, not to mention the fighting. The fighting's a whole other thing. But yeah, like the secret to it, honestly, is like that last level where... I got so pissed off at that game at one point. <laughs> I don't think I've mentioned this on the show before. I got so pissed off at Road Rash that I punched my Sega Genesis. And you know how the <laughs> And you know how the top of the Genesis is like the circle, like the the model 1? Yeah. The circle yeah. kind of like cracked and caved a little bit. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> It still worked, but I was like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I can't believe it. I can't. I hope it's. <laughs> and uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Road Rash, right? Like that's that's what it did. There were games that I played on the NES that made me throw the controller against the wall. That wasn't, yeah. by the way, that's a thing people joke about. No, no, no. Those things happened. We all threw our controllers yeah. in frustration with these fucking oh, yeah. 8-bit, 16-bit you know, sadistically challenging games. But Road Rash was the only one yeah. where I actually punched the system and and did damage to it. <laughs> I still love it, though. I still have super fond memories of it. Yeah, there was... I was similarly obsessed, but with Road Rash 2. That was the one that I got. Mm. Um, and so I've talked about previously how I never owned a Sega Genesis, just a Sega Nomad. Yeah. Um, I, I, I entered the cool zone uh right right away immediately i didn't have time to to dilly dally um but so i and also like i don't know if the original road rash is like this but road rash 2 is like the giant cart like you know the ones that are extra tall and have like that little yellow tab on them. electronic arts games all kind of had that yeah so just imagine me like i don't know 10 year old arnie sitting cross-legged in the living room hooked up his Sega Nomad to the AC wall because otherwise I could not play it um, with a giant Nomad in my hands with also a giant cartridge sticking out of the top of the Nomad. <laughs> like, peak peak 90s, like, peak 90s entertainment yes. here, people. Um, and so I remember, like, being obsessed with that game for a, a good chunk of my childhood where I would play it incessantly and I never got good enough to really progress past, like, you know, the first, I don't know, four or five races. Um, but I remember, like, I specifically remember the, the point where I fell in love with it was when a guy was driving up to me with a pipe and I managed to take it from him. Yes. And then beat him with the pipe. <laughs> so good. When, when you can do that. And I was like, this is the greatest game ever invented yeah exactly well i mean that's basically kind of how you get weapons in the game right because there aren't any yeah there aren't any weapon drops like you're not picking them up off yeah. the ground you have to steal them <laughs> and then when you do oh boy there's nothing like like backhanding with the pipe or the bat oh man it's so it's yep. so satisfying yeah that game's great eventually there was also sorry go on 
No, I was going to say, similarly, there is nothing more frustrating than when I wrecked and my guy just went flying. And then I had to watch him, like, in two frames of animation, running back towards his bike as everyone else just flew by me. Yep. And and you watch your perfect race just fly away. Oh, <laughs> my evaporate. God. So frustrating. <laughs> but I'm smiling. I mean, I'm smiling talking about it. So... <laughs> There you go, man. Road Rash. I think we'll probably do an episode on the Road Rash series at some point. It might be cheating a little bit to talk about yeah, it now. Yeah, I would think so. It's actually not even the first time I've talked about it on the show <laughs> now that I think about it. But nonetheless, that that was probably... It might have actually even been my favorite Sega Genesis game that I owned. Like, you know, I had... Yeah. It's so hard to say because there were so many good ones. Like, the original NHL Hockey... Uh, streets of rage fantasy star mm. 2 but man something about road rash like there was just something about it that i was so impressed by it was so much fun and uh and yeah i love that one so anyhow that pretty much wraps it up for this episode and uh to our listeners i i really hope you enjoyed it because this is this is one of those where <laughs> you know like you know we did put some work into it i'm not gonna lie there was there was some work put into it but until we actually do an episode yeah. like this i'm never really sure how it's gonna turn out so i hope you guys enjoyed yeah. hearing us uh, reminisce about some of these old games and maybe learned uh, a thing or two as well i i'm i'm certain that we brought up facts that people didn't know about like the the wall jump and flying yeah. dragon the series and and so on and so forth and maybe you know yeah. maybe some of you guys have played some of these games and got a kick out of listening to uh, <laughs> a couple of jackasses talk about them for a little bit <laughs> so uh, again everyone thanks for listening i you go ahead arnie uh i was just gonna say you know it's it, I feel the same way as you do. Like, I really don't know how these things are going to be received when we're not doing like when we're doing the thing that we're comfortable in. I'm always like, this is good. This feels right. Yeah. When we sort of deviate, I'm like, I'm hoping for the best. <laughs> but I don't know. I think I think I I'm never happier talking about video games than when we talk about the ones that we played growing up. There's always a a sort of detachment I think that we feel when we do the regular episodes, especially when there are games that we're not super familiar with or we played when we were older. Like going back to the games I played in my insane childhood, I'm just now realizing as I list every single game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there's just something that feels nice about that. Yeah, definitely nice. I, I like the regular episodes because even though there's sort of a, a little bit of a, of a detachment, there's also a sense of discovery as well. Because we'll do, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll take it back to the Technosoft episode that we did. You know, there were a lot of Technosoft games mm. that I did play and I loved. And that's kind of the impetus for doing the episode to begin with. Plus, they have a fairly interesting story. Uh, I would definitely check out yeah. that episode, too, if I'm a listener. Hint, hint. <laughs> but, like, also the stuff of theirs that we <laughs> didn't know about, you know, it was it was just really cool. Yeah. Talking about that stuff as well. There's There's some discovery there to be had. In any case, this uh, this post amble is going on a little long. So again, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> check us out, regionfreegamers.com. And uh, don't forget, talk to us on uh, on Instagram is mainly where we are, at Region Free Gamers Podcast. On Twitter, we are at Region Free Gamer. And uh, if you enjoy the show, please, by all means, tell a friend about it. And uh, above all else, you know, if you can leave that review, really appreciate it. And if you already have, you're awesome. So, Arnie, thank you very much. 
Thank you, Paul. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care.